All right, uh, here it is. Uh, Longhorns survive. Uh, quite frankly, unbelievably, uh, Longhorns get, I have to say, lucky uh, is the best way to put it. At the same time, they, they came in, came through with their starting quarterback on the shelf, with three starting defensive backs gone, with Alfred Collins in the tent, with Quinn Ewers out. Uh, the Longhorns somehow found a way uh, to get, get out of the game with a win, but it was far from pretty. Uh, I tell you what, uh, a tough one for Texas uh, today in Houston. After going up 21 to nothing, uh, the Longhorns uh, let let the, the uh, Cougars back into the game. Uh, I tell you what, the 3-5-3 three, the three, three or whatever that is, Rod, gave them hard, gave Quinn Ewers and the Texas defense, or Texas offense uh, problems again after they started so strong. Uh, finally, he got the running game going in the fourth quarter. Big. That was big. Uh, that's the best thing I can say right now. The defense did stand up in the red zone in the second half, not once, but twice. Uh, Longhorns win 31-24. to uh, Cougars fail on a fourth down inside the 10-yard line. Uh, the Longhorns uh, now 6-1 and one on the campaign. Rod, Jerry, I know you guys have uh, negative feelings about some parts of this, but at the same time, a win is a win. Rod, you start it with us, bud. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to win ugly, right? Uh, they had a lot of adversity. Uh, most of it came in injuries. Uh, losing your starting quarterback, obviously, that's huge. No matter you know what level of football you're talking about, they had injuries in the secondary. Uh, I thought U of H it took a, U of H a little little too long to start attacking the secondary <laughs> to try to expose it. We thought I thought they would do that early on. Uh, that wasn't the case, and it, it turns out after going down 21 points. That's when they really went after the secondary, maybe out of desperation, uh, but they really uh, exposed Texas in coverage. Uh, it looks like, and I'll go back and track it, but when they tried to attack the safeties, uh, when they attacked the slots, Jaday Barron came back in the game, thankfully, uh, in the second half. So that was better. That, that infused some juice in the secondary. But, you know, that's why, guys, I and I, I told you guys this all week, and then I, I texted it to you guys too. You know, when I watched the sample size of the Texas defense now, I took the backup quarterbacks out of the equation. I just, it was, I was, something was distorting my sample and that was what it was. <laughs> and I was like, that's what it is. And when you just go back and watch Texas versus starting quarterbacks, starters, not the backups, and that's just your JT Daniels or Alabama and then your Oklahoma. And then now Donovan Smith, you get a very different view of the defense. Go watch them all in a row and you'll go, oh, they're good, but they're not great. Actually, they're not great. They can be exposed in a number of ways, especially on the back end. And U of H once again did that. Oklahoma did that too. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, there are different ways you can do it. Uh, but Donovan Smith and U of H, like I said, once again, I'll use the word exposed because <laughs> uh, I think they were exposed in a number of ways. So I'm not saying the defense is bad. This is not a bad defense at all. Uh, but there are, there are vulnerabilities, man. They're, they're a good defense, but they're closer to being an average defense than they are to being a great or elite defense. I completely agree. Uh, Quinn Ewers going out uh, late in the third quarter. Malik Murphy comes in. Uh, I think he completed one pass. Is that right? The rest were Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter's runs. Uh, Longhorns end up scoring a touchdown when they needed to. Uh, you know, there were some questionable things that went on in this game from a coaching perspective. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's attempt to go for it on fourth down with Burt Auburn on a fake. I wouldn't have called that one. Uh, that, that was one. Uh, then you had uh, other issues in the secondary that we can talk about. 
Um, Longhorns, though, uh, eke out a victory, 31-24. to 24. Uh, I would suffice to say this will be the last game that Texas will play at the University of Houston uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, guys, uh, I somebody's saying confirmed broken collarbone for Quinn. I, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, unless um, unless Craig Way said something like that. This this guy did. I, let's see. Okay. We'll figure it out. Okay, Matt, uh, our producer, please be on the lookout uh, for any confirmation for that. Matt. I, 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 here's I, I I might get in trouble for saying this, but at this point, I really don't care, guys. Sark at the midway point said it was a self audit week. Well, I guess Blake Gideon did not self audit because he still thinks playing uh, uh, Keaton Crawford and Michael Taff on the field at the same time is a winning formula. That's not a winning formula. Somebody needs to self audit. If I think they missed the off week. That is not going to work. Keaton Crawford does not have safety eyes. He's not a safety. They keep trotting these guys out there together like things are going to improve. It's not going to improve. They're wrong. It's time to make a change. Longhorns uh, today, Jerry, I, I don't necessarily disagree with any particular player or players that you're talking about. The secondary to me, and I'll ask Rod this, Rod, you're a former guy in the secondary it looked like they had communication issues from the mm. second quarter on. They yeah. were signaling back and forth, not knowing what one. They the uh, U of H ran crossing routes on third, third and seven, what four times, five times, and got a first down on it, um, including several or a couple of explosive plays. They let them get down there and uh, tie the game at twenty four at one point. Uh, what what are your what's your thoughts on what's going on in the secondary right now? Yes, it's a it's a great observation, uh, astute, Bobby, because it's uh, it's communication issues on several levels. Uh, first of all, passing off receivers in coverage. They're talking about match, uh, cover three match, or you're talking about uh, four match, uh, match quarters. Uh, at times, those there are routes that declare themselves, uh, and then it goes from being a zone to pretty much being a match man coverage. And the and there, there's not miscommunication as to when these routes have actually declared themselves and when you can match up on a man. That's what happened. It was kind of a match three, I believe, on that first touchdown, that post route uh, to uh, Matthew Cullen. It was a first, it was a it was a post route, I believe. And Terrence Brooks is on the outside. Essentially, Terrence Brooks should carry that route, uh, but he let him go. Essentially, saying I'm a, I'm gonna I'm pass him off to the post, and Taft wasn't. Essentially, that wasn't communicated to him. You can tell after the play, he turns around, starts clapping like, hey, man, what's going on here? Communication breakdown, communication error. I've been tracking for a while. You guys have probably heard me talking about it. Targets to bunch formation against the Texas defense. That's And I'll get into the numbers. I was tracking it during the game. And I was like, I know they're going to go to it. And they did. And these are targets, any type of clustered wide receivers, when you put stack twins together or tight twins, you put, you know, trips, bunch, you put them together real close, right? And force the Texas DBs to have to read and react to the routes. All right. Play levels or play tango inside out. Uh, Texas is really vulnerable to it. They've been susceptible to it all year long. Anytime you can do that. And you uh, basically did a bunch, whether they motioned to it or whether they started out in that way. Uh, and they killed Texas. Uh, I got them averaging over 11 yards per attempt, targeting clustered receivers, bunch formation, stack twins, things of that nature, where the Texas DBs have to communicate and pass off route combinations. So you're out in, in a lot of different ways. And by the way, Bobby, the, probably the biggest indictment, two-minute defense. Texas is bad, guys. Bad. Bad. In two-minute defense, 
They bad in Oklahoma game, bad in this game. Even in the Bama game, go look at the end of that first half. They were bad. Hell, Texas didn't give them back the ball at the end of the game. They are bad in that scenario, especially versus starting quarterbacks. It, 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 that sounds to me like Texas needs to look at what they're doing in the secondary because at some point they're just not getting it done. Uh, that That's just the bottom line. Hey, Matt, uh, if you don't mind, please put the, the stats up for the game. Uh, this is the post-game show on, on Texas football, uh, brought to you by a Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, give it a try. Less uh, less carbs, less filling. Uh, it tastes really good. Uh, enjoy it a lot myself. Uh, all right, let's look at the stats here. Quinn Ewers, 23 of 29 for 211 and two TDs, but he did most of that damage in the first quarter. I mean, after that, he was neutralized at best. The, the Texas offense sputtered for a good two quarters, um, and it wasn't uh, until late when the running game got going. Uh, Jonathan Brooks comes up one ga- one yard short of 100 yards on the day. Uh, C.J. Baxter adds 42 and, and had that big uh, run for the touchdown. Uh, Jonathan Brooks was the team's leading receiver. That's what they decided to do against that 3-3-5 rod. Mm-hmm. Was run, was throw to the backs and check down. It worked until it didn't. Uh, they were moving the ball, and then all of a sudden, uh, they weren't checking down enough, weren't getting uh, ahead of the chains. And uh, I tell you what, uh, it worked. The, the Red Cat, uh, Texas re, re uh, used that again today, and that was very successful, scoring a touchdown as well as converting a fourth down a couple of different times. Uh, so, Texas, uh, all in all, guys, uh, doing really well in some aspects. Uh, but not in others on today's game. Let, look, let's look at defense. Donovan Smith, 32 of 46. Uh, Jerry, we talked about this streaky passer, really streaky. He started off slow as molasses. Midway through the, that uh, first quarter or about the uh, early second quarter, he heated up and stayed on a heater until midway through the third quarter. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's the same – for me, it's the same issues. I mean, if you can't rush the passer consistently, and especially from the edge position, then if you have a deficiency in the secondary, you get attacked because you cannot mask your weakness and deficiency. And, and until Texas can get some consistent pass rush from that edge position and get quarterbacks out of the comfort zone, hey, if you have a deficiency in the secondary, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get mm-hmm. knocked on. I mean, there's no doubt – Hey, Rod, I think, um, um, you know, it was interesting. I had but people, you know, people text throughout the games. People are getting on Terrence Brooks a lot. But when you're playing off coverage, if you're playing nine yards off coverage and they're running the slant in patterns, I mean, those are – if you're not – if you if you don't have a defensive lineman to get a hand in a window, if you're not changing a quarterback's window, address how hard of a play that is to cover if you're playing nine yards off. Yeah, I mean, leverage at times, oftentimes, is based on the scheme, right? If you got pressure coming from a, a certain, you know, a certain side of the defense, if you're overloading one side or something, you'll play different leverage uh, depending on what that is. If you know you're expecting, and they blitz, I was at, I got to go check the blitz. Uh, actually, the blitz rate. I thought PK was blitzing more in this game. Came yeah, he, he just, brought five and six. Yeah, they didn't contain it all the time. Yeah, you know, I so I, I thought they actually blitzed more, and that may be why you've seen him play, Terrence Brooks play bail coverage at times. And the, the thought would be that the ball's coming out quick when they, when they blitz. But it didn't always happen that way. Sometimes Donovan Smith would extend the play, break contain on the blitz, 
and then you got a whole nother play altogether. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, it's hard to cover. It's hard to play DB without pressure. It just, it is. Just like it's hard to play quarterback with pressure. Right? It's just as hard to play D, uh, DB without pressure because quarterbacks back there and they got all day. So trust me, as a young DB, I, when I had Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers on my D-line in my first year as a starter, my job was easy. I, I thought playing corner was pretty easy. I was like, honestly, this is not that tough. Uh, and then without those guys, I realized like, oh, you got to cover a little bit longer. <laughs> you don't have two war daddies on the D-line. So there's no doubt it does. And you got to manufacture that pressure if you're not getting it organically. And right now, Texas, they're not getting it organically. Yeah, and look, I mean, by the way, we Quinn's going to be the injury talked about the most, obviously. But Alfred Collins, Gavin Holmes, both were taken to the locker room late in that game as well. Uh, you're already without Catalan. Ryan Watts warmed up today, so obviously he'll be back. It's just a matter of is it BYU, which you shouldn't need him for uh, defensively because BYU. Don't not say that anymore. Uh, well, uh, BYU yeah, I mean, is bad on offense. So this this is the reality. I, I want to say this, okay? Texas fans need to stop saying, oh, we can rest our guys. No, they can't. They're not good enough yet, no. Jerry. Stop well, saying but B- but BYU guys. Oh, BYU I don't want to play. Offense, Texas will play all season. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. They're in a fight for their existential life I right get now. it. And that, that's my point. Enough of this. Oh, we don't. I wish we would stop. We wouldn't play Jake Majors. Oh, I wish we wouldn't play JT Sanders. Bull. I mean, Texas right now needs every everybody they can. Clearly, I, I get. What, I, 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 know, I don't. I don't disagree. But if Texas has to have Ryan Watts to BYU, BYU, they're not a good football team. Bottom well, that line. may be true. That, they're, <laughs> yeah. de- they're definitely not a perfect team, right. regardless. And so every little chink in the armor is just yep. another thing that a team can 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 uh, knock you down on. U of H's receivers were terrific today. I thought they're good mm-hmm. players. We they, talked they about had that a, all week. Look. I don't know about you guys, but Matthew Golden looked like terrific on kick returns. Um, how about his boneheaded play, though, ripping the helmet off of Terrence Brooks? Oh, brutal. Make that a third and 16 instead of a third and one. That Cooper's was only got three points out of that drive. Uh, then you you t- talk about the uh, – boy, I mean, the other thing is fourth and one – or third and one, I thought Cougar, the Cougars got that first down, guys. What did you think of that? I thought so, too. I thought so, too. Yeah, I yeah. mean – who would have, as I got texted, who would have had the Big 12 refs helping Texas on their bingo card for today? Yeah. <laughs> given given that the Longhorns are on the way out. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to prove, like, hey, man, they're true. Maybe by doing that, that they aren't against Texas, but then they kind of went against U of H because I'm with you. I thought oh, I was pretty damn obvious that he got the first down and a little bit more. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought so too. I thought it was, but but look, uh, you play what's in front of you. Yeah, uh, Texas did. I, I will say this: the one thing I like about what Texas did today is they fought all the way through. They actually bowed their back a little bit on defense, even though they were getting gashed. Rod and Jerry, they bowed their backs on defense and didn't let U of H just run down the field and score. So we can say what they want. They. U of H did not score in the red zone on the final drive, obviously. They only scored three points on the drive before. Uh, Texas showed a little bit of a spine on defense, despite some major, major issues, in my opinion. Uh, So uh, we'll see it. As Kansas State now goes up 21, I think it looks like, to three over TCU, by the way. Who's Uh, the quarterback? Avery Avery Johnson or Will Will the Spill? Will Spill the Peel Howard? 
Uh, it was uh, Howard on a pass on this one, but they're doing they're using both guys. All right, guys, uh, other other topics for you that I wanted to go through and see what y'all thought of. Um, what what happened for Texas to slow down a bunch in this second quarter, Rod? That was the one thing that that kind of surprised me. First quarter, Texas comes out guns blazing, moves the ball extremely well, and then the offense looks like it goes into hibernation for two quarters. They couldn't run the ball against U of H. I think that's what it was. They couldn't run the ball against U of H. And I think Sark was a little shocked by it. <laughs> they couldn't run the ball consistently. And then U of H, I got to go see when they started deploying more of the three high look because they definitely threw it out there. And once again, like I, I've been saying it, it, it matches up well versus Sark's offense. It just does. It really does. And I'm not sure that U of H has done it a lot prior to this season. I got to go back and look and see how often they've used it. Um, and maybe there was a way there were a breaking tendency. Maybe it was their tendency breaker. Uh, but it definitely confused Texas. And one of the, I think the byproducts was the check down, right? For Texas, like to say, but give give Quinn give Quinn credit. He didn't try to push it, he didn't chase big plays. Nope, take what the defense is giving you. You can tell that's what Sark was saying. Just take it, just take it. Um, and I thought he just took the kind of the safe play, but you can tell that also played a role in the game, too. So I'm not sure after the script, I gotta go back and see after you know Sark's 20 play script exactly, you know, what how many points and how many plays Texas had after that. But it seems like after the first quarter, after the script was up, that's when Texas really struggled to try to All make right. adjustments. Let's let's put this one out before the game. U of H was number 122 in the country again on third down defense. Texas was three of 12 today on third down on offense. Uh, the, the, the Cougars had something special for the Longhorns. This seems to be a recurring theme that uh, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian needs to, to get going uh, because it looks like everybody's going to have something a little special for, for Texas. Everybody's going into that three high look, Rod, because yeah. they, oh, maybe that's, they, they think that's <laughs> – the only way to beat Texas. Hey, and it's a crazy thing. The scary thing, Bobby, is you haven't even played the teams that specialize in it yet. You're right. just playing the teams that do it to break tendency. You're about to play uh, Iowa State and K State and TCU, and they major in it. It's it's they're part of their identity. So that's the scary part. It's like holy mo, that's scary. But if you can run the ball versus as we've seen over the, then it doesn't matter as much. Their disguise coverages and how the run fits, it don't matter as much if you can run the ball effectively. That's what Sark did later in the game. That's what I think has been really the antidote, period, for the three high, three down. I, I want to say this. It looked like Texas, the only time they could run the ball consistently, Rod and Jerry, was after the big nose tackle went out of the game for o, uh, for Houston on the final drive. You remember 94 went out uh, for them? That's yeah, when right. John, that's when that left side started looking cratered uh, and more and more, and uh, Texas ran it down their throat. Uh, I, I think that Jake Major's ankle injury combined with Hayden Connor not necessarily being a powerful run blocker really took its toll today uh, in the run game. Texas just uh, did not look uh, very strong there at all, uh, not in, in sync. Uh, part of that, you know, look, Oklahoma barely beat Central Florida today, guys. Mm -hmm. they, they won. Central Florida missed a two-point conversion to tie the game with a minute left. Okay. This was a big Texas came out rocking, but then they got hit in the face and they punched back at least. Okay. Oklahoma punched back at least and ended up winning. Both teams it shows you 
coming off of that Texas OU game, I'm telling you, it 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 is a emotional roller coaster, especially when you don't get right back up on the horse right the the very next week. Two weeks to think about a game that you lose like that, or to make make you think that you've been really good, like in the case of OU, mm-hmm. that's tough stuff, in my opinion. Agree. Very Agreed. very tough, no doubt. Jerry, uh, you were at the game. How was the how was the scene there in in uh, Houston? Uh, I mean, I thought the tailgate was uh was more exciting than the uh, Houston fans at the game. I'll be honest. Wow. I, I thought it was. I was excited. Look, the build up, Andre Ware voiceover. I thought they were actually going to be really fired up. But I mean, it was half Texas in the crowd. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the tailgates had a little more energy than the Houston crowd when the game started. Even my son commented on that one. So that was pretty easily visible. Um, I thought uh, it was interesting when uh, Texas was going through warmups, guys, and. You know, Jalen Callan didn't even make – he wasn't suited up, right? Ryan Watts went through some warm-ups. Jade Barron, I, you know, I was told, hey, he hadn't practiced all week, really. They had him in a precautionary boot. Um, so, obviously, that was the case because they were didn't play him until they absolutely had to in that game. Uh, but so, I thought it was interesting in warm-ups. Um, then right when they came out, Jake Majors was snapping the Quinn. You know, they go first team, the center QB right down the line. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously Connor Robertson was second, Cole Hudson was third, but then Cole Hudson took second team right guard reps and warm ups. So I was like, okay, if he has to play, he's available to play, obviously. Uh, probably more like John A. Barron. They didn't want to have to play him, but they played him. Uh, but, you know, it, it was it, it was interesting. Center Baxter physically, just even in warm ups, looked the best he has since the season opener. Uh, JT Sanders looked good moving around uh, in pregame. Uh, so I, th- I thought they offensively, they they had their main guys all uh, all close close to 100 percent as they've been since the start of the season. Rod, uh, you look at a game like this. You've been uh, in on in the on the sideline for games like this, uh, games where you you were heavily favored, but then you don't win big, uh, yeah. but you escape with a win still nonetheless, right? No doubt. What are your What are your thoughts on the Texas locker room right now and what they what they're thinking and going through? Um, you know, first of all, you, you happy to get the win. There's no doubt about that. But um, I think it'll be a hard week for them and practice-wise. I, I remember Sark after the was the Rice game. How he said, you know, they were gonna he was gonna get things fixed at a hard week of practice. Now you can't do it because of the injuries. You can't get padded and get like that. But you can get in the film room. You can get these mental reps, and you can get some hard coaching. Like guys, we got to get our communication issues. We got to get that fixed on the back end. And guys who can't do it in practice consistently, those guys don't need to play. And that goes back to what Jerry was talking about. Might need to tighten up some of these rotations on defense a little bit. It's great. They played a lot of guys. And and when you get and if it's a lot of injuries, I get it. But if you got a rotation of guys and you got a healthy rotation, you need to be playing in critical moments the guys who are considered to be your best players at that position. Um, I mean, I look, I mean, I, it's easy for me to sit here and say, but I, I just got, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's six games of work now, now seven games of work. Keaton Crawford's not a safety. I mean, that is just inexcusable at this point. He's not a safety. He does not have safety eyes. He cannot play. Well, safety. I, I was going to, I was going to say this, uh, look, this is the bigger question for you and Rod, Rod and Jerry. Uh, this from William Nish. A win is a win, but this defense has issues, and personnel-wise, we are hurting. Was this an anomaly, or should we be concerned? I think all three of us would say we should be concerned. Is that is that a fair 
statement, everybody? Yes. Oh, yeah. What, and, and Jerry, you think it's because of safety play. I think it's because of combination of communication. I think it's too. I also think yeah. it's pass rush. I mean, they they got more pass rush without their starting group than they did with their when when they put Jure Bledsoe in. When they put uh, uh, who was the other? Jeez, uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now. Jamon Tap in. Tapp. They they got more rush. They, they've got to do that more frequently. They can't just exactly. It, it can't be guys that don't rush the passer as well. And, and, well that, and that's, showed up today, by the way. And that's my piece to it, as I've been saying. If you can't get press pass rush with your front four and you have to bring numbers, if you have a deficiency in the secondary, you're, you cannot mask that deficiency any longer. You're putting those guys in a position that you do not want to put them in. Uh, but, look, at the same time, Keith Crawford's not a safety. He's a hell of a gunner. He is a hell of a competitor. He cannot play safety. And Michael Taft doesn't have the speed. So if you play those guys together, you are lucky if the other team doesn't score on you at this level. Yeah. Lucky. We, we the, the, what was exposed was, and we, we talked about this before the, uh, the Oklahoma game, right? You didn't play Jalen Daniels. So you hadn't played even a really a truly competent quarterback. Jalen Muro, even though he has elite athletic traits, wasn't really that. And now you're playing, you're playing some pass first offenses, right? Oklahoma and U of H with quarterbacks who, by the way, have played in those systems. That's the only system they played in. Yeah. Dunga Smith is really comfortable playing that air raid system. That's what he played in tech. And same thing at U of H. Really comfortable. So he knows it really well, kind of knows the ins and outs. And he's a veteran quarterback. And in the midst of a really good run, he actually is in the midst of his best three-game stretch prior to playing this game versus Texas. And this is another good one for him. Um, so I think Texas is being exposed because it's the first stretch of real quarterbacks they played, pass first offenses they played, and I don't. I, I think they're not going to play a lot of quarterbacks that have this uh, comfort level in the offenses. But there's a lot of turnover in Big Twelve quarterbacks lately. Go look at Hell Texas now. <laughs> there's a lot of turnover. And you've talked about it, Jerry, the, was it the TCU quarterback, Iowa State's changed quarterback, K-State's playing two quarterbacks now, Oklahoma State just shows a quarterback, but so a lot of turnover. And that really could force some teams to be pass first if that's the strong, you know, obviously strong skill set of the quarterback. And that may be a problem for Texas if they decide, or schematically, strategically, matchup-wise decide, you know what, against Texas, we need to pass to open up the run. That's how you go. You got to throw it. You got to expose the secondary. That could be a problem going forward. I will say this. No team, maybe TCU has as good a receivers as Houston left. Correct. This is the best group of receivers left. While while we can talk about the the quarterback, Rod and Jerry, I don't know that any team other than TCU has the level of receivers uh, that that Houston has that can – hurt you at a number of different positions, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, the problem I had is they were running op- wide open so many times. It wasn't the, the – I mean, mm-hmm. can, can somebody figure out how to how to handle a crossing route? Because they – I don't know whether it was Keaton Crawford or Jalen Ford or Maurice Blackwell or David Benda, but how many times did we see that get me- me- messed up today? Yeah. I yep. mean, that – just keep that in mind. Uh, I feel like that's a, a big one. All right, this is the post-game show on On Texas Football, brought to you by uh, the folks at Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, one thing I want to say about this is that it's also 
uh, our partners at Faust Distributing uh, down in Houston area. Uh, good friends of ours are also in, uh, have other places and locations around the state. We appreciate them, uh, the Faust family, uh, big supporters of Texas athletics as well. Uh, we appreciate them and flights, uh, ne the next generation of light beer. All right, Jerry and Rod, uh, any over overriding thoughts before we go back and uh, start talking about players of the game and uh, some other aspects and, and maybe probably doing a injury toll. Well, what we've got to look at. Today. I think the crazy thing is we're spending all this time on uh, on the defense from this game, and I absolutely get it. But Texas is going to be starting a quarterback that's never started a game next year and uh, next week, more than likely, unless the reports on Quinn Ewers are incorrect. And that means Arch Manning is now your second team guy. Um, uh, and the plan was to redshirt Arch Manning, but plans are uh, maybe changing here. This is going to be very interesting um, to see because we're going to have to get into that is uh, what's Texas going to do offensively. And now a, uh, uh, Malik Murphy will, if the reports are true on Quinn, and I'm not saying they are, that's nothing I've heard. Uh, but um, Malik Murphy is going to be making his first start next year and Arch Manning is going to be preparing this week like he's going in a game. I tell you what, hey, uh, Matt Hutchison, I just sent you a text message with a photo of Quinn late during the game. Uh, I want you to put that up for everybody to see uh, as well, because I do think it's going it, to – I don't think a quarterback goes in a sling and is out a week. Not in your right shoulder. Not in your right. What no do you chance. think? Rod, have you ever heard of that? No. I haven't either. No. So we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. But I'm telling you guys, that could be a big deal uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, and rearrange what they're thinking right now uh, as far as uh, football is concerned. Uh, Rich Thompson, this is a win that feels like a direct kick to the scrotum. I think people feel that way too. It's uh, it's one of those – it's a hard win. But I tell you what, it, I will say this about Texas. They had to get back going and get back playing, and winning a game with a defensive stand, okay, is a good win after what happened – last week now it wasn't ideal sark needs to understand from now on that people are going to pay play the three high safety look against him from now on it needs to be part of every game plan game plan he goes into uh this is the, the picture of uh, uh quinn post uh, during the fourth quarter clearly has a a um, uh sling on his right arm i'm not sure what that means guys i, I think it's, i think it's collarbone i agree with what people are saying that that's a that that sling that in, that looks like a collarbone to me based on just you doing this and this was uh the injury did he get the injury on the play where he ran and then lowered his shoulder yes against the defender yes yeah i mean yeah you can't that looked like his left shoulder though but still it could have have effect across the entire collarbone right so are we assuming that's the play because i don't remember exactly what play it was if that's the play or not i don't want to throw it out yeah. there if it's not but uh, well yeah. and the thing we don't the thing we don't know is did he get hurt earlier and was playing through it and then that we just don't know we'll have to uh, that's, that's a good point Quinn, because he did get hit he did it's not like he hadn't been taken to the ground before that that one run but could that have just exasperated it we will have to wait for sark to tell everybody here's that's what sark says sark uh, quinn has a hurt shoulder We'll know more tomorrow. He tried to play through it. Uh, that's go. what uh, Sark said in the post game, guys. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll see if he if we have more uh, over the next uh, couple of days here. Obviously, Sark won't go to the podium again until uh, until uh, I guess it won't go back until Monday afternoon. Uh, Flying tank. What the heck was that? Offense looked poor after the second quarter. 
Ewers turned into check down Charlie and secondary looked bad. Two minute D yuck. That's Rod. You've talked about that. I actually yeah. think Ewers checking down kept Texas in good situations, mm -hmm. but then they couldn't. They they started getting blitzed on third down and didn't have a, a an answer for it. Uh, is what really looked like it happened to me. What what did you think went wrong there on offense? Yeah, I think you know Doug Belt went to the kind of bend but don't break philosophy. I'll just give Texas everything underneath. We'll rally to the football, come on uh, and tackle it, and then. I'll go back and track it, but I believe on some of those third downs, like you said, Bobby, he's the blitzing. Uh, they're simulating pressure, throwing a three high at at Quinn because those were third mediums and third long situations uh, some of the time. If they could get themselves in that situation, and yeah, they did uh, in the second second half, they did it more and more. So I think they stalled because Texas couldn't run the ball, and then when they found the running game, it was just late in the game, but. Give Star credit, and maybe it's because you know he didn't trust a young quarterback, Malik, and he shouldn't have. That he trusts his offensive line and trusts the running game, and against the three high guys, that's the best thing to do because a lot of quarterbacks can't figure out that pre-snap disguise and can't process it quick enough, and you're prone to make mistakes and bad decisions. And just take the decision making out of his hands and run the ball effectively if you can do that. If you can do it, got it. All right, here's here's one that we need to uh, acknowledge, and I and I agree with them. This is what I meant by saying they showed a spine. Uh, from Buddy Powell, big chief guy, defense got torched. However, after Houston tied the game, they got two turnovers, a turnover on downs, and held them to a field goal. Clutch when needed. I, I think we have to acknowledge that. We can talk about safety play all we want, lack of a pass rush, uh, but they did get things done at the end of the game, guys. And Texas won. Uh, they're now, Longhorns now 6-1. and one. Uh, 31 to 24 over the Cougars. Certainly not the blowout that many people expected. Uh, but I tell you what, I don't know that I don't know that people should expect blowouts from this Texas team right now. Especially not now that you know that you're probably going to be gone with Malik Murphy and or Arch Manning at some point in the next week to, to three or four weeks. Yeah, this is why you know a, a football season is right so tough. I'm talking about an entire season, week to week. Right, you got your week to prepare. Um, but throughout the season, as it goes on, first of all, you get exposed. You may not, you may keep winning, but then one team exposes one flaw, one vulnerability. Another team says, hey, I'm going to take that, and I got something else I can expose them on. By the time you get to week seven or eight, hey, man, that's a, that's a blueprint. There's a blueprint out there for exactly how to attack a team because coaches are doing their damn job, all right? And you have injuries that mount up, so you have depth to truly test it. Can you, are you actually developing the talent? I'm talking about not just the frontline guys, but the second string guys. Because you're not developing that talent, they're about to be exposed. They're going to get exposed too. So are you actually a coach that's developing talent on every level, not just the guys who are your starters, your main starters? That's the key. And that's kind of, and I'll give Sark credit. Maybe this is why they were rotating so many guys. Maybe they're thinking, man, when we hit the point where there's so many injuries, not just for, you know, guys to be fresher at the end of the game, second half in the fourth quarter, but when the injury bug hits, because it's inevitable for every team. It's going to hit you at one point. You just don't know exactly how it's going to look. At least we'll know we'll have some, some, some depth we've manufactured. That we won't be throwing guys out there cold turkey who are seeing no action, no reps. At least when, when they start, when the, you know, when everything's going live, they won't have those big eyes, right? They'll be settled. They'll be calm. They have some reps. So that's the benefit of rotating a lot of guys, even though we don't like it. Hell, now you need those guys having those quality reps. Yeah, you know what? You, needed, you, know what you needed that at quarterback today and didn't have it either, by the way. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jerry? 
Uh, you know, we talk all year about, you know, look, how big was U of H? I mean, they probably had some penalties that weren't called. But how big was U of H's first penalty of the game? Matthew Golden taking that dumb swing, pulling the helmet off of Terrence Brooks. That was their first penalty, and that was a massive penalty in the game. Massive. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, guys, I, that's one of the reasons why they got the, the three points only. Um, Tango, Lima, Foxtrot, uh, we're not improving as the season goes along. That's concerning. I, I think that there's some truth to that, and, and I think what we're finally seeing is actual passing quarterbacks yep. with the capacity with good receivers yeah. uh, going to town a little bit against Texas. I think that's what you're actually seeing, and you didn't see that in the first five weeks. I mean, Jalen Milrow wasn't really that guy, and frankly, uh, I don't think uh, the uh, I don't think JT Daniels at Rice could really handle Texas. No. Nope. Uh, so I, I'm I think that it's not so much they're not improving. I I feel like we're finding out more of who this secondary really is and the lack of the uh, the uh, pass rush. Uh, Rod and and Jerry, this goes to something that's interesting. The Texas from John Hendricks. Thanks for the super chat. The Texas that beat Alabama is not the real Texas. That's the Texas that prepared all summer for Bama, like OU spent all summer preparing for us. The Texas that played Rice, Wyoming, and now Houston is the real Texas. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that's fair. I mean, look, Texas went out. Really? No, Texas went why out. Why not? Well, why not? Well, Texas went out and physically hammered Kansas. They've, I mean, they hammered Kansas. They physically whipped Baylor. Baylor may not be good. They still beat Cincinnati on the road today. Kansas may be 5-2. and two. Uh, Obviously, Jay and Mountain just didn't play. But Texas has gone out and physically beat up some teams this year. Now, they did not today, which I thought was interesting. But they have – I mean, look, they, they went out and had 660 yards against Kansas. I mean, and physically whipped them. I mean, they physically whipped Baylor from the start of that game. Um, I think confidence is a shaky thing. Um, I just, you know, but here's the reality. If you can pass protect against Texas, because they don't have the one guy that can go get you. If you can pass protect against them, Texas has an issue because Derek Williams is your best safety and he's a freshman. Yeah. It's just, like I said, it's, you don't get, you know, three months to prepare for an opponent. Like, and you don't know them as well. Like Sark knew Alabama. It, I mean, we said that for the Alabama game. That's why they looked they looked the way they did versus Wyoming and looked the way they did versus Rice because they weren't spending time <laughs> preparing for Rice. They weren't. They just were not. There was a lot. Quinn was comfortable running those plays. He knew the timing, precision, all of it because he had been running those plays probably all all season, all spring, and that. So I, I think that the person in chat makes a really good point. I mean, I totally agree with that. That and this is why Sark will be tested because you only got a week, bro. You only yeah. got a week. Yeah, you ain't got you ain't got three months. You got a week. You got a week to figure it out. And by the way, you got less than that because you got to put the game plan in so they can practice it. So you ain't got long. And that that's that's the test of a real coach, guys. It's a week to week grind. Remember Tom Bo Herman? Remember Tom Bo Herman when he would have you know a month to prepare and everybody brings their families out and nobody's in school. They're just students. They're not students anymore. They're just athletes hanging out at a bowl game. Tom Bo Herman, baby. Because but that ain't real football. <laughs> 
That's not real football. Real football is a week-to-week grind. They got they got to go to class. They got their own stress levels. They got NIL obligations now. There's a lot of distractions. And you as a coach, you only got a certain amount of time during the week to practice with them and to meet with them. And you ain't got three months to prepare for them like you did for Bama. That's true. So that's why the team don't look the same because they don't have that amount of preparation. But that's the test for Sark to be a next-level coach. So he will be tested, especially now with a backup quarterback. Is he the coach? Is he a championship-level coach? Is he? We're going to talk about the most talented quarterback room in the country. Well, that will be tested, won't it? Yeah, it will be. Yeah. You know, look, if he has a a collarbone, there's potential that that may have been Quinn Ewer's last game as a Longhorn. No doubt. Because that's not – that. Those don't necessarily heal in a, a month and a half, guys. I've had one, baby. I've had one. It in my season. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, so just think about that. Uh, hey, I, this I, by, by the way, the other thing is Ethan Burke's obviously got a knee issue. Okay? He's not going to be 100% the rest of the year. And there's no chance. He was out there without the brace before the game. I tweeted that out. Then he was pursuing to make a play on the sideline. May got it rolled up. Then – he took on that block, and that left knee went out late in that game when he was down. And I'm not saying the ACL, but it went out. He's got something going on there. He ain't going to be 100% the rest of the year. If that knee, The way that knee gave out, and that was the second time down in that game, after already wearing a brace and coming back without the brace, uh, Texas has – they got some real – I mean, we'll have to see what Sark says about Alfred Collins and Gavin Holmes. Uh, but they, they have – even their guys that were providing some pass rush or have gone down now. All right, uh, how big – this from Taylor57. Uh, how big was their DT getting injured? Seemed like our run game clicked after that point in the game. I could not agree more with you this. Uh, that draw, last drive with Malik Murphy only hitting the quick ball to, to uh, Jordan Whittington, guys, that was the only time uh, Texas looked uh, like they could run the ball with authority all game, and that was after, after their big defensive tackle went out. Uh, Jake Majors – now, would that have been the case with a healthy Jake Majors? I don't know. But it's certainly uh, an injury on the inside uh, when you like playing inside zone or running inside zone, probably not the best injury to have on your roster. Just something to think about that maybe we didn't talk about enough uh, in the uh, week leading up to this. Uh, from uh, Fresh Prince 512, is Gary Patterson still hanging around Austin? Uh, I think there's some people that want that to happen. A1, day one, uh, season is over. I don't agree with that. Uh, guys, let, let's be clear. Texas is still a talented team. The Big 12 is not some uber-talented team, a uh, talented uh, group. They're going to have to find a way to score some points. Uh, Texas still has a really good defensive front, although I do believe at this point, guys, uh, Alfred Collins going into the locker room today. That front is starting to get tested uh, and tested sorely. Jet Bush had a non-contact injury. We're not even talking about at this yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, they were gonna. It looked like they were gonna use him to spy a little bit, and that went out the window in the first half. Um, look, that, that's one of the things. Uh, Don, hey, hey, by the way, by the way, on Gary, Gary was in a restaurant in Fort Worth this week and said Austin Jordan should be playing at safety at Texas. But what would he know about defense? I don't know. <laughs> what would Don he know P about has, safety play? Don P has a question here. Why did PK? Why does PK keep calling loose coverage zone with no pass rush, and he does the same on blitzes? He's got it. Rod, you have a specific on that because I don't really have an answer. No, he's. I think he he doesn't he doesn't trust his corners. 
That's all I can think about that you don't trust your your corners to to play either press or for them to play a more aggressive off coverage. You can play off coverage, but you, you can be slower. All right, out of your your back pedal, slow out of your inching technique there, and you can sit on some routes depending on what the third down yardage to gain is. Uh, you don't see Texas do that very often. Usually, uh, they're giving ground. <laughs> they're 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 off, and they're often giving ground. And, and sometimes when they're up, they they bail and give up the leverage. It's just like you can have the inside leverage too. So it's interesting. I I don't know exactly. I got to go back and look and see if there's a coverage associated with it every time. But I do agree. The leverage should change and how aggressive a corner is should change based on the situation down in distance and the front. What and I don't this is I don't know if the players on the back end are playing and, and maybe it's not maybe it is being coached to them. I don't know. I don't know if they're changing up their technique based on the front and the pressures. I, I don't know if they're changing it up or not. They they should be. They should be. They should be more aggressive. So I you don't a blitz the ball comes out quick. You you give up ground on the blitz and you're not understanding the point of the blitz. If it if it is effective it gets to him fast and for him to avoid that he's getting the ball out real fast. Now there was a blitz where on that touchdown to uh, Man Jack where they don't, he breaks contain on the blitz. Yeah, Jalen Gilbo got got beat outside. Yeah, you gotta you can't let him break contain on the blitz. That's part. So th- there are some things they got to work about gap integrity. Uh, but there's no doubt the DBs are not aggressive. Um, I don't know why they they play so off. They just they don't have confidence in themselves, and maybe the coaches don't have confidence in the music. That's that's fair. Hey, right, this, way, we we just got a text that said Sark said Quinn could have returned, but we don't know anything yet on that. Okay, that's good. But I mean, he still has. Wow. Well, he had his arm. He had his right shoulder in a sling, though. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, we'll see uh, what that really means. All right, Travis Edmiston. Uh, this is for chat. Why are y'all calling for Arch? We haven't seen him play at all yet. He may very well be bad. There's a reason Murph is second. We're not calling for Arch. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, uh, we're calling that there's going to be – we haven't seen enough of Malik <laughs> to say that he's a guy. Uh, so it's we're calling for whoever's the next man up or whoever whoever wants to take it. Um, I'm all here for it. I, I've said this before. I'm here for, for Texas. I cover Texas football, not Arch Manning football, not Malik Murphy football, not Quinn Ewers football. So I, uh, I think that's what – Travis, don't mistake me for using someone's name and saying, you know, next man up, whoever it may be, is preferring one guy over another. That, that's not how I roll at all. Um, guys, uh, Matt, let's look at the uh, stats again. I want to uh, look at the, the defense, uh, if you don't mind, uh, some of the uh, tackles, uh, see who led the team in tackles, because I do believe uh, that the Longhorns did a pretty good job settling down finally in the second half. Really the middle of the third quarter, the defense guys – settled down at least and started causing some third downs y'all y'all agree with me like there was a a, a period in the second and third quarter early in the third quarter texas wasn't even getting houston they had no resistance they weren't even getting houston into third downs i mean houston had scored had ran three plays in texas territory and scored two play two touchdowns on two of them yeah. So, I mean, let's be clear. Uh, Michael Taff uh, has the interception in the end zone. Single high safety look, by the way, on that rod. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that confused uh, Donovan Smith that Pete Kwiatkowski did go to. Uh, eight tackles total. Jalen Ford uh, had the sack and the forced fumble uh, that Vernon Broughton picked up. Uh, he also had two and a half tackles for loss. Anthony Hill had a bad call on him on that on that out of bounds uh, call where uh, he got called for a, a late hit out of bounds. Derek Wilson or Williams had five. Uh, J- Jaron Thompson, uh, you know, it's interesting. Jaron Thompson shows up sometimes, but he got run over a couple times today. Yes, he did. Well. He got yep. run over. And that at that point, it looked like to me Houston wanted the game a little bit more than the Longhorns, and they were willing to be a little bit more forceful about it. Uh, I, I don't know if y'all felt that at all today. Was there a time when you started saying – there was for me in that second quarter into the third quarter. I was like, yeah. look, this team's not showing any spine right now. I, I thought – Texas did late. When the game was 21 nothing, and I was sitting in the end zone, um, it was 21 nothing. I believe U of H had 23 yards at the time, and Texas had about seven backups on defense in, in that series and gave up the touchdown, that's when U of H started to get some belief. Yep. Yeah, no, it was um, – I agree. I, I wrote it down, actually. I went second quarter. It's seven and a half minutes left. It was that that drive. And that drive. They started – They had seven or eight backups in at the start of that drive, and U of H was pinned down. And U of H finally started attacking the perimeter. Remember, that's when they started off with that, that screen uh, to Matthew Golden, and then from then they started attacking the perimeter uh, really quick. And they went to a lot of – targets to clustered wide receivers and empty formation. Ran a lot of empty formation against against Texas. They couldn't run it. They ran a lot of empty. Yes. With a dual threat quarterback, it makes a lot of sense. And that means Donovan Smith can easily just identify where the matchup advantages are. And he did. He did a good job. I think they they ran like 13, 14 plays out of empty against Texas. Even at 50, that 51-yarder, empty. Empty. (laughs) <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's get go down the injuries, guys. Quinn Ewers looks like a collarbone. We don't know the severity of it. Uh, it, it says that Quinn uh, Sark said Quinn could have come back in the game. However, he also said we'll know no more tomorrow. Right. Maybe he could have come back, Jerry, and just tossed or handed the ball off. Right, right. Not necessarily dropped back and been asked to, to do anything more than that. Uh, that's one piece of it. Uh, then you also have an injury. It looked like um, uh, to uh, Jake Majors. He's got he got back. Cole Hudson did not play today. So now you flip over to defense. Jet Bush goes out. Alfred Collins goes out. Yeah. Ryan Watts did not play. Gavin Holmes carted off to the Ethan, Ethan Burke knee again. Ethan Burke, uh, Ethan Burke though, is still playing at least. Right. Uh, it, uh, Alfred Collins went to the locker room. I mean, we don't know the injury, but it's it's it may be severe. Uh, then you have uh, also you have uh, Jalen Catalan who didn't even practice much this week, apparently, at all. So, I mean, guys, I mean, it's it's the Red Cross on defense right now. That's what one of the things that Justin Arbor is asking. It seemed like we dropped flies, like flies today, to injuries, but we still need some guys this defense misses Demo and speed at the safety position. Boy, do they miss speed at safety. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it is uh, eye-openly apparent, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it, there's – to me, I mean, I, Rod can speak to it as well. But on defense, if you can't rush the passer, you you better have speed in the secondary, at safety. Uh, you it, it, that's you you have to mask deficiencies somehow, right? And if your deficiency is you can't rush the passer, then you better really be good up the middle on defense. 
Hey, Rod, let me ask you a question. Yeah, and then a bit on safety, too. You can get by if you have safety eyes and instincts without being a great athlete. Um, that's what, well, that's what Michael Taft tries to do. But but um, there comes the point in time do you have to have a certain talent level, too. Yes. Uh, hey, Rod, this is a, a question for you. What do you think confused Donovan Smith in the third and qu fourth quarter? What They were talking about match coverages, uh, maybe giving him a little bit of problems in the third and fourth quarter. What, what caused – because the defense did turn it around. I mean, we can say what we want, but the defense turned it around in the third and fourth quarter. What, 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 what do you think happened there? Uh, it is it's probably just playing match cover match coverage properly <laughs> uh, because Texas big issue in match uh, coverage for those who don't know match you can match three or match four it starts off as a regular zone coverage you're playing cover four with four deep or cover three with three deep um, and as the routes the combinations declare themselves you it ends up you know decomposing or ends up turning into a match man coverage. So once the route declares, then I'll match up on it. If it's in my zone, boom, I match up with that guy. And Texas at times struggled with passing off these different routes in match coverage and in the zone coverage, right? When these routes declare, um, the players are looking at it differently. And I think they just started playing it properly. I mean, it's it's not that complicated. Uh, you just have, have a certain route, a depth of the route uh, is considered declared. So if it's maybe 12 yards, like, all right, this guy's at 12 yards, he's mine. I'm matching up with him. Um, but if he breaks to a, the post before that, um, you know, then you take him. And I'll look to the inside number two, and I'll take him coming back out to me. All right, I'll look for work. So Texas just had a, a struggle passing off those routes. Um, and I think maybe looking back at the film, I'll go back and check it. I bet that's what they figured out, how to pass off some of those routes. Dunn Smith holding on to the ball longer or making bad reads, bad decisions, because he thought this guy's supposed to be open because they were they were playing this differently in the first half or playing it differently early in the game. I have y'all, I have another question for y'all real quick. When Terrence Brooks came off and Gavin Holmes was already off, who were the two corners for Texas other than Manny Muhammad? I, I never saw was it Xavion Bryce or did they I, I have no clue. I'm asking y'all. I didn't I, um, see it. Did I, anybody I in the in the comments see who came in? Because if, if Holmes and if Holmes Watts, I mean Texas won that game. Well, I, I can tell you this. with three of their top four corners on the bench, I, I, down I tell, by whatever. I can tell you this in warm up, Xavion Bryce was the guy getting second team reps. Because when Ryan Watts was not in there, did, so did they, move, they didn't move Barron to corner, did they? Uh, I, maybe he was covering the slant. He was covering the inside receiver yeah, on that little club route. Down. They moved right. Barron the corner. Apparently, that's what people are saying. And Do you think Gilbo, they did that? Gilbo came, came in at, at star. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mm, okay. I, well, I gotta go check. I, I don't can't tell off the top of my head. I can't. Yeah, remember. he wasn't playing corner on that that fourth down play though. He was playing star. I now they may have gone too. back to a different coverage and a different scheme based on fourth and short too, though. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, thanks, buddy, pal, chief guy. I appreciate you uh, for for posting that. Um, all right, Marlon uh, Malik will open up the vertical passing game if so, if he doesn't call the game scared next week. Really? I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, why why would the, why would we think this? That that here's another one for you. Our lines can confuse me. This is from Lane C. Right, Baylor, Alabama, Kansas were pushed around, but Rice, OU, and now Houston. Is it injuries, coaching, or what? I think I think he means that the other way around. Pushed Bama, Kansas, and uh, uh, Baylor around, but got yes. pushed around. Yeah, yeah. And here's what I'm going to say. I think maybe more of the squatty, quick bodies affect guys like Jake Majors and Hayden Connor than the big hulking ones do. Where they're while just the, while the practice them. report said Byron Murphy's unblockable. <laughs> In there you go. Maybe he's unblockable because he's going up against those two. That's a good theory. I like that. <laughs> so, good. I mean, but but U of H plays with those undersized defensive tackles. So does Rice. OU did not had it doesn't have the bonus size guys that they've they've had in the past. Uh something to something to consider. All right. Mm. Here, here's the caffeine and chaos has a question too for you, Rod. Hey Rod, what changed in Houston's secondary after we went went up 21 nothing? And why do you think Sark could not adjust? We mm. talked about this early. It's yeah. the three three, the three deep or three three five, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, they they laid out there, I thought. Yeah, it looks like that. I'll go back and look exactly when the three high, uh, three down defense was deployed by Doug Belk, but he, he definitely threw it out there in this game. We talked about it on football theory that he might decide, you know what, to hell with it. It's worked. We got nothing to lose. Why wouldn't we use it? Um, and looks like Doug Belk did it. Give him credit for that. It wasn't working early on because I think Texas was still on script. Remember Sark's famous, and obviously this this year it hasn't worked as well. But I got to go see when the twenty one points were scored and how how many of them were on those twenty plays early on. The adjustment by them, though, I think, was to go to the three high three down situationally on third down. They played bend but don't break defense on early downs. Gave Texas the underneath stuff. Gave up uh, some numbers uh, underneath and decided that you know we're gonna see if Texas can march the length of the field on us. And if we get them in third and long, third and medium, then we can throw the three high at them. We can blitz them. We can put some sim pressures out there. And their plan started to work. I mean, it, it really did. It was And the three high, I've been saying this since I've been working with you guys. All right. So from day one, my research indicated the three high, three down is the best way to match up in Sark's offense. There is no question. No question. Every, every offensive statistical category drops when Texas teams under Sark play a team that majors or minors in the three high three down period period all right two through two and a half years now of sample size even go back to his last year at Bama it fits it's not it's not the end of the world some schemes just match up well with other schemes Sark knows this though and I I hope Sark knows the antidote because I think I may be on to it too 
but you you got to be able to run the ball against it. If you can't run the ball against it, then and uh, you you better be real creative and innovative as an offensive mind if you can't run the ball against the three high three. He couldn't run it. We think maybe because Jake Majors couldn't get a push, right? Uh, they didn't use Malik Ogbo as freely as they were. Or, they or did. Had. They stopped. I know. What the hell? I, I don't know what, what what that was with that. Maybe he saw something he didn't like or a way that U of H was defending it. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but it's definitely one of those things. Uh, Travis Edmiston, uh, thanks for this. I was calling out the chat, not you guys. I'm just tired of fans calling for one QB or another. I oh. trust that y'all and the coaches see more than us fans. Look, uh, it is the coaches. And we appreciate you. I mean, it's not – we don't – you guys missed something. You know, we we are hopeful that everybody plays their best game at Texas. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not rooting for one player, uh, so to speak. It just doesn't work like that. Jerry, you're going to like this comment. Taylor Johnson, Cedric Baxter looked strong on that last run. He finally, in my opinion, Jerry, looked and played at the speed I expected from the outset. What do you think about that, Jerry? Yeah, he looked more like he did in high school. I mean, for sure, he had a little more bounce, uh, a little more pop in that. And, look, when you have that calf, lower leg type of injury, um, it's great in practice until you get tackled, right, or that adrenaline you push through the ground one time and, oh, you feel it again. This is the first game uh, since the opener that you thought, okay, since he got hurt against Rice, he was healthy. Uh, He was 100% healthy. Uh, When he's 100% healthy now, Texas has a tremendous – one-two punch at running back. They really do. I mean, center Baxter blocking for Savion Red now. Those are man blocks to the freshman running back. And then, look, hey, we talked about red zone all week. Savion Red is your short yardage running back. That Jonathan Brooks is a hell of a player going to play in the NFL. That's not his strength as a player, though. You're asking him to do something that he's not built to do or that's not his strength. Savion Red is pissed off. So when he can, and he's 5'10, 215, he is perfect for third and one, first and goal from the one on the gold line. That is when he is a tremendous player because he also played quarterback in high school. So when he takes a Wildcat snap, it's nothing that he hasn't seen before. It's just moving quicker in his peripheral. I thought it was interesting. They started trying to run, they just, they stopped even trying to run the zone read. They just ran quarterback power to the left on that fourth and two. Yeah, they did. They just said we're going left, you know, and we're going to get it. Uh, so I agree with you. He does run pissed off. Have they? Has he been stopped this year on a fourth down? No. Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think he has. I don't either. I don't either. All right, here's something from Payton Ross. Thanks for the super chat, Payton. Do you think Sark will be more successful in the SEC uh, next year because everyone there plays more our athletes versus your athletes? Instead of the three three five, not everybody does that. No. Arkansas like to play the three three five with Barry Odom. Yeah, uh, what do you think, Rod? And more teams are running it just as part of their repertoire, right? It's now just spreading NFL teams. Now you'll see it in the NFL situation. I see it all the time, just watching NFL football on Sundays. So now every team, not every team, most teams have it, have access to it somewhere in their playbook. They may not major or minor in it. And now the the like the point you're bringing up, Bobby, and because you've been around the game so long, and Jerry knows this too. Well, now team, like I said, there's a blueprint about there about every team. There's a blueprint about how to attack this team and, and approach this team. They may not they not, they may not all be sound blueprints that have a really high success rate, but that three high three down has a real not not in terms of you winning and beating Texas. I'm talking about I'm not I haven't looked at the wins and losses. I'm looking at 
analytical stats. I'm looking at third downs. I'm looking at rushing yards. I'm looking at passing yards, yards per attempt. Third, you know what I mean? I'm looking at money down conversions, success rates, and everything I've tracked from the jump tells you that Sark's offensive productivity drops points per game, everything when he plays a team that deploys a three high, three down major or minor in it. And it doesn't matter if teams run it in the SEC. They're going to run it versus Sark. They're going to run it. <laughs> Don't matter. They're going to pull it out points. versus them. Hey, they're going to run it until it's beaten. Exactly. That's football. That's, That's football. football, guys. That's anybody. That's football. <laughs> Well, I, I wish they would uh, – I, I would have liked to see more Malik Ogbo. Uh, Texas had a chance at one point uh, to really put put the hammer down on yes. U of H and just let it let them off. They they took the foot off the throat uh, up 21-0, uh, and I just don't think you can do that uh, this day and age. Ben Jacobs messaged you guys earlier in the week about the state of inner-city Houston football. Got to say I was impressed with UH athletes today. And taking a look at the roster, it's like 80% greater Houston area. Area guys, Rod. Rod was one of those. Hey, man. <laughs> I agree with you. It's I, I, I thought they looked okay. I don't know that they looked. I, I thought they looked good, necessarily, guys. At wide receiver, their quarterback looked good. I don't know the kick return game, punt return game. I don't know that that the the corner that tried to cover Ad Mitchell or Adonai Mitchell Woo! in the red zone that wasn't a good look. That wasn't. Um, so I I don't know that I like their roster all that much no. uh their receivers certainly had it had i mean look look the reality is matthew golden is good enough to if he hit the portal after this season texas should go all in for him because he's also a really good kickoff returner uh the malik fleming kid is an undersized safety but as a punt returner he's a being at that game he is a natural punt returner they have two good return guys on that team legitimate that could return a football anywhere that jalen waddle isn't on a college team returning i mean yeah. they they have two legit guys. Uh, Manjack's a super tough kid. I watched him in high school play quarterback at Tomball Memorial. He went out the USC and transferred back. Extremely tough guy. Um, so they, uh, they've got a few, but they don't have enough of them with the length, the ideal size length you're looking for is their problem. But they, yeah. they get some undersized guys that, 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 will, that are physical and will ball. They got the speed. They, yeah. they, that's what Dana has prioritized. They got speed out there, that's for sure. Yeah, they do, and I and I think that's to, that's Jerry's point, right? That's what Texas doesn't have at safety right now. Yep. Exactly. Well, my right. problem is Jerry, my, my bigger right. problem, guys, too, is you know, look, and I hate to keep harping on it, but you can't play Crawford and Taft together that many snaps. It's not going to work. Like like when Sark said he self audited last week, I'm like, did Gideon self audit? This hasn't worked. It's not going to work. It's not. I mean. Crawford's not a safety. He doesn't have the eyes for the position. Well, Taff is 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 doesn't have the athleticism to go make up for anything. I mean, playing those two guys together is a losing proposition. It just is. Yep. Uh, here's one. Here's a comment from A1 Day One. Uh, your ability to utilize speed and quickness can and change up what the, can change up what the defense is seeing. Recognizing that is costing Texas. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to put. Uh, look. I don't know if Quinn's not processing it, if the offense as a whole is not processing the 3-3-5 quick enough, but I kind of think that's what's happening uh, right now. I really do. The, the purpose of listen, the 3-3, they, they're still running the same traditional coverages that quarterbacks have been seeing forever. They are. They're running cover one, two, three, four. They're running combo coverages, cover six, which is cover four to one side, cover two to one side. They're, 
they're running, you know, they're running a lot of same pressures too, same pressure packages. The thing is, the three high allows you to disguise it a whole lot better. And because these quarterbacks have been brought up with single high beaters and two high beaters kind of ingrained in their development as a quarterback, they know how a a, a cover two beater and a cover three beater, you know, a cover four beater, they know how it looks. They, it, they've been seeing it for a while. Guys, the three high, three down has only been around since like 2016. It hadn't been around a long time. You know what I mean? And it just got really popular where it's trickled up to. So in, in like 10 years, there'll be a lot of different built-in three high, three down beaters. Code W clinics done on it, how to beat it, all this kind of stuff. It's just not right now. There's not. So defensively, it's one of the best evolutionary adaptations defensively for now you got single high, you got three high, and now you can throw in the three high, three down, which, yeah, we can run cover two out of it, and we can run cover four out of it, but that quarterback, has it looks so different to him now, and it's so foreign, and he doesn't have enough mental reps to recall, oh, yeah, I know this three high, three down beater when they shift into cover four. I got this. No, you don't, because you don't know how it looks now. And they they sling the run fits. So Sark's office is RPO-based passing game. Essentially, quarterbacks reading the box, right? He's counting numbers in the box. If you have the numbers advantage in the box, you hand it off. If you don't have the numbers advantage in the box, that means you have the numbers advantage in the passing game and you're throwing it to the tag, whatever that tag is. Well, the three high, three down, it distorts your pre-snap read. It's the truth that tells a lie. It'll give you a fake box count and then shift that box count where, oh, I thought we had the numbers advantage in the box, but it turns out we don't. Oh, I thought we had, they had the numbers advantage, so I was going to throw it. Turns out they they turned out of that or they shifted out of it, and now I don't have the numbers advantage in the passing game. So quarterbacks end up getting, you know, discombobulated, and they're slow in their process, and then it makes them indecisive, and then you get what, hey, I'm just checking it down. I'm just going to check it down. That's the easiest thing to do, check it down. And that happens. So, against Sark's offense, it matches up in a lot of different ways really good. But best thing to do is safest thing to do, run the football if you can. Got it. All right. Uh, here's here's one real quick. Uh, just joined. Any news on Quinn from Zach Harvey? Uh, last we have, Zach, is this. Uh, Sark said in the postgame he will be evaluated further tomorrow. He apparently said elsewhere that Quinn could have returned to the game, but we don't know if he really could have returned right. or he could have just turned around and hand the ball off. Uh, it is very possible that he has a collarbone break. Uh, so we will know more. We think this week or Steve Sarkeesian may play possum for the next, you know, seven or for the next seven days, which would not hurt my feelings. It may cause some concern for Texas football fans. Uh, but the bigger issue really guys is the number of injuries, Texas. I, I shouldn't say the bigger issue, but another issue, uh, overall is just how many big injuries Texas sustained today. Alfred Collins, Jet Bush, uh, we mentioned those two. Jake Majors is back, but Quinn Ewers, uh, Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes. I mean, when is it going to stop? They they literally could be without four starters and a key backup in the secondary mm. next week. Yeah, and it Think also – And it also, going forward. And it also, guys, affects your ability to practice. You can't – there's no coaches going to practice, you know, intense in an intense practice when you got, you know, that many injuries. You just basically have kind of glorified walkthroughs a lot of the time because you're just so afraid of getting guys banged up. Uh, and obviously all the guys you mentioned at this point, 
They're just meeting. They're not practicing. You're trying to get them fresh as you can for the game. So it affects the quality of your practices, too. And you need those younger guys to step up. So we've talked about Sark churning out the, the roster, right? Churning out the bottom of this roster, trying to upgrade the talent as much as possible. We'll see. We shall yeah. see. Is yeah, this- we're we're going to have to. Yeah. Um, all right. I, a couple more questions that I've got here. You're listening to the post-game show uh, from On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3 and Rod Babers. Uh, we're sponsored by Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. Uh, this one is from Kyle Rushup. Uh, if UH converted that fourth down and then scored, 100%. you know they would have gone for two. Uh, do we all agree he would have gone for two? Yes. Or, or wait a minute, or wait a minute. Do you play for overtime because you've got a starting quarterback and the other Maybe. team doesn't? Possibly, but I'm not sure Whoa. Dana could resist. I'm not sure Dana could have resisted. I don't think Dana could resist either. <laughs> I agree yeah. with you, Jerry. I don't know that Dana could have resisted. And didn't Dana beat Texas going for two once already? Yes. With Will, was it Will Greer? Will Greer. Yeah, yeah. Will Greer. Oh, he would have did it. He would have did it. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> oh, man. That's wild. Russell has a question here. Why do y'all think Sark Quinn didn't go back to the deep ball after the perfect ball to Worthy in the first quarter? Uh, could have opened up the underneath. Hmm. If they were playing three deep, that's yeah. one reason. Yeah. That can be, and that was in. I think that was so early. Maybe on. that's why they changed it. I think that's why. They, I think that's why they changed it because they they thought. I think they went in saying, "Okay, we we think we can cover these guys. Our DBs are pretty good." But then they the play to Ad Mitchell for the touchdown, the play to Xavier Worthy. It's like the Alabama game all over again. After those two plays, they're like, "Nope, nope, this isn't going to work." We tried it. We're about to get blown out of here. Yeah, not going to exactly work. Right. Great point. I agree with Jerry. All right, Jerry. This is a, for you. Jerry, do you think we from fresh six four seven three? Do you think we still finish with a top ten recruiting class after this dismal? I, dude, it wasn't dismal all the way around. You lost your quarterback and lost five starters. Uh, let, let's be clear: Texas won the game uh, in showed a spine on defense, in my opinion. Uh, they just beat a team that beat West Virginia two weeks ago, and West Virginia. And uh, look, I'm not saying sitting here saying that was a top ten. Texas team today. I don't know that they are a top 10 team based on what we've seen now. Uh, but what about the the top 10 recruiting class for you, Jerry? Yeah. And by the way, I'm not sure. I mean, how many teams actually look like a top 10 team right now? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I know Ohio State's good, but Penn State can't score. Um, so, uh, um, you know, I, I let's see how things play out. A game like this that's a win doesn't really affect you in recruiting. The fans' comments are not the recruit comments. Mm-hmm. Um, the, re- the way the rest of the season plays out, is gonna is gonna tell you where that goes. Fair, fair enough. All right, uh, Nigel Robertson says Malik is a better fit for Sark's offense than Quinn. Do we know? I mean, do no, we, we don't know that. To know that? No, we don't know that. No, because because here's here's the here's the issue that Malik's gonna have to overcome. He's never been accurate in high school. He was a 56 percent passer in high school football, and they've revamped his mechanics. He is a pocket guy. He's not a dual threat guy. He's a pocket guy. A pocket guy has to be an accurate thrower. And he's going to have to prove he can be because he never has been to date. Uh, That's reality. I had had another question uh, for you guys. What did y'all think of the the fake field goal attempt? Oh, that's good. I thought you had a chance to go back up. Um, 
by three scores, right? And yeah. instead you gave it to them and they marched back down and scored immediately. What did what did y'all think about that? My, my only problem with it, because I just understood what Sark was doing. I get it. Um, my only problem with it was I believe that time it's two and a half minutes left when he yeah. does that and goes for it. It it really it provided them with a lot of juice, emotional lift. You can tell they don't look at their sideline at the time, and you can tell the momentum was already shifting in the game, and you just kind of gifted them the momentum. Sark needs he talks about complimentary football a lot. He he loves to throw that term out there, but he doesn't always practice complimentary football as a head coach. Sometimes Sark gets in coordinator play caller mode. And that was kind of one of those moments where he approved that fake. You get points on the board there, you kick off. It's a different, there's the momentum shift. You know, you kind of stall it, right? You got, you know, you got to kick off. You They got to, you know, they, they, they got to start from deep and, you know, maybe get a touchback, but at least the momentum, you don't give them the emotional lift you did. Sark knows his, his defense is bad in two minutes. He knows. He's got to know. He's watching the same film I'm watching. He knows they're bad in two minutes. He knows they got injuries piling up on the defense in that secondary. He knows this. And yet still put his defense in a compromising situation. Now, maybe he has faith in his defense. That could be the case. It's faith in his defense. Um, but it reminded me of the end of the Oklahoma game a little bit where if you would have gotten your four-minute offense mode, you milk a lot of the clock, and then you don't have to give the ball back to U of H with so much momentum. But they didn't do that. They end up going for a fake field goal. You could have just got the points, and then you don't get the emotional lift of the momentum change in that game to U of H. So I just think ultimately it was in retrospect, which is easy, everything in retrospect, it was a bad call because I don't think he considered complimentary football in that moment. That wasn't in his mind. I, I want to clarify something, uh, Max Chanel. Um, I, I'm not saying Malik has not been developed. What I'm clearly saying, if you'll listen, is that he's never been an accurate passer to date. He has to go prove that. I don't. He's going to have to go prove it. But to this point in his career, he's never been an accurate passer on the high school level. I saw him yeah. in person, so that's what I'm saying. So uh, you misunderstood what I was saying, but I want to clarify that his and development. He has to go out and show it. But to, to date, he's never been an accurate passer. Maybe he'll go do it. But to date, he hasn't been. He's got to go do it. And he's got to know that teams are going to – I would just force Malik to beat me. Malik's out there. Oh, he's going to force – so Jonathan Brooks, he's going to see a lot of loaded boxes, a lot of, you know, eight-man fronts because, hey, I want this youngster. But that's good. That means he'll see a lot of man-to-man coverage potentially on the outside. They'll blitz him a lot, which means you'll also get some man coverage. That's what I think they're going to do early on. Now, it's bad news if he's not up to the task. But if he is, I think he'll get some favorable matchups on the outside because if I'm a defensive coordinator, now I'm stopping Jonathan Brooks. At least now I know what my, my task is as a D.C. He's the proven commodity right now. That might be the identity of the offense. I can cut the head off the snake of the young quarterback if he truly is inaccurate. So I think Sark knows that, and you might get schemed up with some real nice big windows of play action, things of that nature down the field with him. But like you said, got to be accurate with the football. Yeah, well, Texas, uh, we're going to find out uh, probably in the next 48 hours exactly what's going on with uh, Quinn Ewers. We don't know uh, exactly. Uh, he definitely was in a swing, a sling post game. Uh, there are thoughts that it might be collarbone. Somebody asked if it was bruised ribs. That's not a bruised rib injury. Uh, that didn't. You don't go in a sling on bruised ribs. I don't think. 
Um, uh, look, a couple things that crop up. I, I am I come out of this game knowing a little bit more of who Texas is as a football team. They're flawed. The the thought that this is an eleven and one or twelve and one team that could play for a national championship maybe on a best case scenario. Okay, but they're not there yet. Uh, they don't have the pass rush, and they don't have the secondary, in yeah. my opinion. Agreed. Uh, and I'm not so sure the linebackers right now know which way is up on crossing routes. Uh, Isaiah Stewart said this, the linebackers were getting killed in coverage too. They couldn't tell. Again, Donovan Smith put them in conflict because they were more worried about him running than the, they were the running backs running behind him. And he didn't run that much. No, he did not <laughs> run. And that, yeah. this is the whole idea behind putting you in conflict with it in the first place, right, Rod? Yeah. You're right about that, yeah. I, and I was surprised Donovan Smith didn't run more. I'm not going to lie. I thought they would run more quarterback draw, more design run. They did not. They they trusted him in the pocket to make some throws. And, man, he put the ball on the money a lot of the time. So I, I think for Texas, it's hard to be a good linebacker. I even Drew Kelson talking about this. When your defensive line's not getting the pass rush and when your DBs can't hold up. Yeah. It, I mean, as a linebacker, hell yeah, you go look discombobulated. What the hell are you going to do? <laughs> That's a tough world to be in. <laughs> hey, by, by the way, the special teams are tremendous today. But uh, FY, I mean, they're pretty good, Bobby. I mean, more, uh, I don't know. I mean, they almost gave up. They gave up. The, they gave up a, a play into Texas territory on a kick return. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah. But I mean, look, they, U of H had legit return guys. That's right. True. Well, no, no, I agree with that. They, I, got, they I, got more out of the return game today. Uh, they were they were more aggressive with. I thought pop punt coverage was tremendous today because Malik Fleming is really good punt returner sitting there in person at that game. He is he has got he is a natural punt return guy. Uh, but I you know I thought they were pretty solid in special teams. I, I thought they were solid. They they definitely won the punt game. Uh, Houston's punter did not punt well except for maybe one no. one nice punt. Uh, here's a question, Rod, that's good for you. You played. Y'all think the physicality of Sark's practices could be contributing to the injury issues? Uh, that I, I don't know how physical the practices are. I know at times he's talked about them having, after the Rice game, remember before the Bama game, yeah. he talked about them having some of their more physical practices. And he talks about how intense they are. Um, yeah, that's a good – I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to it because – I'm not there at the, at all those practices, so I, I don't know how physical they are. I do know he talks about how physical they are, and he wants to be a physical football team, right? He wants to be able to play bully ball with the big humans on the O-line, the D-line. If it is, I think Sark is smart enough to figure it out. I, I trust Sark enough to go if the injuries are mounting up to this extent and they've had physical practice in season. Out of season, everybody has physical practices. You're having physical practices in season – especially this deep in the season, you even past the halfway point. Yeah, you might need to reevaluate, especially if you're having injuries. Even if you are a physical football team in practice during the week and season, once injuries start to mount up, I think every coach at every level will go, all right, guys, we're going to dial it back at practice, just so you know. We're going shells, nobody on the ground with thudding up. You know, that may hurt your intensity, but you're not trying to get guys banged up even more. I, I agree. Uh, so – I feel like, look, I think Texas has physical practices. I don't think they're overly physical. No. I'll just put it that way. I don't, I think, those days I don't are, hear, I think those days are gone in football, by the way. Yeah, but I don't hear from people. I, they're definitely more physical than USC, for example. Example, 
but they're not more physical than A&M or TCU or some of these other practices. I, they're just not. Uh, so I, that's that's my take on it. Uh, they're physical enough, um, and uh, we'll see that. Um, here, here's a question from David Keith Williams or observation. UT statistically had three sacks and eight tackles for loss against Houston. Considering how close this game was to the end, it is very surprising the defense was that productive. The coverage has to improve. We talked about this, David, uh, earlier. Texas caused two turnovers. They won the turnover battle two to none, guys, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then you also add in uh, the, the, the sacks as well as the, uh, the uh, uh, tackles for loss. The Texas defense, it might be said, kind of won this game in the third with their play in the third and fourth quarter. Was it their play in the third and fourth quarter that won this game? It didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it, but they made some crucial stops when they had to. You know, they didn't, and they at the end to bow their back, even though the refs gave them a little bit of help. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's big because it looked like I was, I, I was unfortunately I was sad because I was thinking U of H was about to go in and score. It just looked like they had all the momentum offensively. Didn't seem like the Texas secondary could respond, uh, and the guys end up making a play. Also, I'll give them credit. Listen, you got to find a way to win ugly games. I don't give a damn. I, we won eleven games my last two years. And I, I guarantee there was two or three ugly wins up in there. I guarantee uh, where you just find a way to survive in advance. Because the truth is, you're going to look like a different team at the end of the season when guys get healthy or, hell, maybe even more guys are out. But then these younger guys who are getting reps, they're going to get better with more reps. And at the, you're just trying to be a team that gets better week to week. And the argument can be made this week, unfortunately, that you didn't get better. And that you won, hell, you got to win. Just win, baby, you won. But did you get better? I don't know. I don't know if they got better. And that is the ultimate goal that at the end of the season. If you're getting better week to week, where you started in the Alabama game, beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa, man, think about where you would be if you actually were getting better week to week, but you didn't. You got, you got worse versus Wyoming the next week, all right? And then you bounce back versus, you know, Baylor and, and Kansas and look really good, and then – Versus Oklahoma, did you get better that week? Uh, maybe, kind of, sometimes not, but you were exposed on defense. Did you get better versus U of H after the bye week? No, you just won. So getting better and winning, two different things. You should do both. And now that means you're going to be a championship team. You're getting better week to week and you're winning. Right now, Texas is just winning. I'm not sure they're getting better week to week, though. Got it. Uh, Jake Robertson, thanks for the super chat here. Uh, with Jalen Gilbo being good enough and safe, uh, safety being so, so, so bad, why can't we move Barron to safety to help those guys back there? Watts, too. Oh, what? Well, I mean, you can't move all your corners. You, know I mean? <laughs> you lost Terrence Brooks for a time today with, with what looked like either a shoulder injury or a head injury. Yeah, he, I think he, yeah he just got dinged. He got his bell wrong. Yeah, yeah and then. Also, you, you look at uh, that, Gavin Holmes is gone. So you can't move everybody. I would say that Jalen Gilbo slash, I, I, I don't know, what they need to do at safety. Uh, get B.J. Nope. Allen some time. I mean, they, they've got to do something different than what they're doing right now uh, because I, I just don't see it uh, right now, guys. They got to get healthy, number one. Um, that will give them more options. Um, but I, I, I've, I've said it before, and they've done it, by the way. They moved Jaday Barron last year around. They moved him out to corner. Hell, this game, uh, people said they moved him out to corner with the injuries, too. So they moved him around. 
but only the corner. I think he could play any position in the secondary, maybe situationally or matchup wise, based on how a team's going to attack. Because by the way, teams don't keep running them slot fades. Um, they'd be stupid not to. They're gonna run the slot fade on you, and they're oh, gonna yeah. keep running those long developing drag routes or those over routes on those safeties whenever they can. Because they, basically, you just allow your receiver to open up, and they're, they're movement routes. And the Texas safety just can't run with them on those long developing moving routes. They just can't do it. And that's the case. I would situationally, maybe that is the route the route you go. Um, they say, hey man, today we're gonna put you at safety. And we'll move Gilbo inside, something like that. So I'm not opposed. I think there might be a, a way to go as one of your contingency plans. It's just moves they bearing around possible. What do y'all think about some some bright spots from today's game? Some some unsuspected bright spots. I mentioned Cedric Baxter looking healthy and running differently. Uh, Savion Red uh, running pissed off, as Jerry said. Yeah, love that. <laughs> I like that conversation. Um, also, DJ, DJ about, Campbell blocks in the run game, pissed off. He had some monster blocks, yeah, he, and I don't know how Campbell. he'll great. I don't know how great in pass pro. I'm, I'm people have to go back and watch that, but in the run game now, he was hammering people. Yeah, he yeah. he is such a so different than Hayden Connor and Jake Majors. Um, and Christian Jones is very similar in that fact that he just latches on him and Kelvin Banks. It's almost like what does Texas need to do here, maybe. If I mean, do they make a change at left guard? I know we've been talking about this like till we're blue in the face, but yeah. I, I yeah. want to see something. Uh, you know, I we may need to see a, a change in personnel given what what we have at quarterback right now. Uh, other other thoughts? I thought Jamon Tap flashed. Yeah. I thought Jeray Bledsoe flashed. I thought Derek Williams played reasonably well. Uh, yeah. You know, didn't how much is going to be challenged in that game? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Any other small things you guys liked? Uh, Keelan Robinson did have a good kick return. Uh, Jerry, to your point on that. Yeah, I, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, I hammer Keaton Crawford as a safety because he's not a safety. He's been asked, he's asked to do something he can't do. He's just not a safety, but he's a hell of a gunner, man. I mean, as good as Texas has had at gunner. That guy makes tremendous plays in special teams and in just special teams in general. He's not a safety, but he's a hell of a special teams player. Um, I, any other I, small good things, Rod, that you saw? Well, no, I, I'm going to go back to your point about CJ Baxter. Actually, when I, when he had that touchdown run, <laughs> I was actually watching it with my, my wife and she said, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, actually, that's CJ Baxter. He's been on the team. And she's like, man, he looked like what he did. He looked, it looked like a different player out there. He really did. Going back to Jerry's point about him being fresh and man, his explosion. Once he got to the hole, it looked like a different player if he is now starting to ascend and, you know, obviously durability with him, you know, kind of having the freshman body and all that kind of stuff. If he's now really starting to kind of absorb the physicality and get acclimated to the next level of physicality, they can start running some two tailback sets, some pony package stuff, which Sark likes. It's 21 personnel. It actually is a really good package for him with Jonathan Brooks now. And T.J. Basher last year, it was easily their most explosive and most effective personnel grouping was 21%, which makes sense. It's Rojo Bijan on the field, right? And you got all your talent field. I'm telling you, it, right now it could work really well, too. It could also be a nice complement in the red zone with those two guys in that pony package. You can spread things out and do a lot of different things with those two guys. Also, three of the they scored four touchdowns in the game, right? Four touchdowns. Three of the four touchdowns, Malik Agbo was on the field. Just throwing it out there. 
the six offensive linemen. Big 12 package for two of them. The the, the, the the red cat package for another one of them. I'm just saying, I think it might need to happen more, the six O-line package. I don't know how much they played in this game, but good things happen when he's out there. Um, I think it's a good option for Texas, throwing it out. Interesting. He definitely gives them the edge. He, yeah. he, can, he can take care of the edge so much better than uh, Jatavian Sanders or Gunnar Helm. Uh, just longer arms, wider body, uh, just really a good player. Um, hey, hey, by, by the way, if, if, if Alfred Collins is out for an extended period of time and Dre Bledsoe is going to start getting on the field. So oh. Texas, is, I don't know if he can stay in his lanes and play the run, but they're going to start to get more pass rush. <laughs> All right, uh, this is a reminder for everyone, okay? Everyone remember when Texas blew out Kansas in 2004? No, they didn't blow them out in 2004. They blew them out in 2005. Or did Vince Young have to get a fourth and 18? Survive and advance road conference games. Yep. I think there's some some an element of truth for that as I'm sitting here watching Kansas State beat TCU 27-3 to on my screen above me. So there, there is some, some – value to that survive and advance on the road that's all there is to it um and i I think that we all need to remember that Uh, texas now six and one uh with a 31 to 24 win over the university of houston the cougars gave texas all they could handle on the day after going out and being down 21 to nothing uh i want to say this uh i thought dana holgerson was gonna i i thought that looked like a three-year-old on the sideline pounding the ground after they lost that game. It looked like someone was having a temper tantrum. Now, he runs around and yells a lot. He looks like a yeller. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Uh, But that was one of the funnier – funny is not the right word. That was one of the – It was. What did you – it was very picturesque. It was like his tenure at at U of H in a a microcosm. What do you all think? Did y'all see that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I think in that moment, he, because this is right after the refs decided that it was not a conversion. I think he knew, he saw it all flash in front of him that he's, it's, it might be over for him. Now yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be fired or anything after this game, well, but he, is. <laughs> he, he thought this would save his job. Yeah. And he, he, he thought, oh man, if I beat Texas, hell, even take him to overtime. I could save my job potentially, and it didn't happen. And I think that's why he yeah. was so so distraught and so disappointed because he was thinking, "Oh man!" Because he's probably been told. Remember, he said that before the game. He said he was told, "Just win this one. You can lose all the rest of them, but just beat Texas." Guys, he's not talking to the Gen Pop. Those are boosters and donors telling him that. One of them the fans. One of them owns the Rockets. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, bro, just do this, and you know what, bro? I might have your extension ready to go right yeah. after the game. And it did happen, and he was so heartbroken for it. I'm sure. I'm sure he was heartbroken. Because there's nobody else on your schedule unless you just win out when most, most of your games left that can save your job. This was one. <laughs> Absolutely. Daniel Kinnaman asked you, Rod, am I seeing things? Haven't played ball in 30 years, but appears our DBs play too far off the wide receiver. We talked about this. It's you still think they do. I still think, but like I said, I don't know, I don't know the technique they're being taught. So it's unfair, really, to be like, man, do you say too far off? I was I was given the freedom to play a lot of things the way we want it. 
Coach Akita would give us freedom to play off coverage. We play a lot of man. So it's just techniques of man coverage a lot of times. We could play off. We could play up and play bump and run. We could bail on it if we, we thought that was the best way to do it. We could play inch technique. Uh, we could use the check step. We could, He just gave us a lot of you know weapons, and we knew what our responsibility was within the defense. But we could we had freedom playing our own technique. And I don't know if they have that. I don't know if they're being told, nah, man, I need you. Now, if they do have freedom to play their own type of technique, they just know the the coverage, the responsibility within the coverage, then, yeah, man, then they're, they're playing scared. You know what? They're playing scared. But if the coaches are telling them, guys, I need you at nine yard, eight, eight to nine yards deep, <laughs> and I need you giving ground. I need you to give ground. Don't let them close the cushion. And it's like, well, damn, if you're eight yards deep and they you don't let them close the cushion, then, yeah, every – Underneath curl route, every underneath six route is going to be wide open because you're just giving up leverage. So I don't know if they're being taught, but it's, I agree with you. They're being way, they're being, they're being too tentative and they're not being aggressive enough on some of the coverage, especially when they're blitzing and on third downs, on money downs. Those are the downs where you're, a lot of times guys are taught to sit at the sticks that you don't even give that much ground that they, because most of the time, most offense are trying to get to the first down. Very rarely are they calling route combinations to get, if it's third and six, that they're trying to get to a 12-yard gain on the route combination. They're trying to get within that window to get that first down. That's the easier completion. The deeper you go downfield, all right, the the, the higher degree of difficulty and the lower your efficiency. So most coaches have plays within the playbook and within their mind, these are third and mediums, these are third and short plays, these are third and long plays. And you're playing those percentages and it don't look like the guys are playing those percentages to me. Makes sense, Rod. All right, uh, DC history with this one. I don't think the physicality from number 76, Hayden Connor, was satisfactory today or all season, really. Surprised Neto hasn't split reps there. Jerry, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Neto's still developing as a pass protector, right? I think there's still some development that's happening there. I think he's got a bright future, and I, I know Texas thinks he's got a bright future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, you'd love to see Hayden Connor be a more physical player this long, this far into his career. I will say that. Got it. Um, look, I'm I'm wondering, uh, what did y'all think of Texas? Let's let's talk about something that was a big lead up to this game today. What did y'all think of Texas offense in the red zone? Three for four touchdowns, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Yep. Scored, scored a field goal on the other one or kicked a field goal and, on the and, other okay. one? Okay, so let's talk about it. I'm going to go back and look at the actual plays and try to see. But one thing I think you're seeing more of, maybe it's just from the bye week, is personnel diversity in the red zone. So one red zone touchdown was a 6-0 line package. One red zone touchdown was Savion Red and Red Cat. And the other one, you were in 11 personnel, C.J. Baxter out there. And as Jerry mentioned, Jerry's been high on him that – he, he should be more of a weapon in short yardage situations for you. So maybe one of the things that Sark has started to figure out is that maybe I need more diversity down there in personnel groupings and in, in personnel, period. Personnel groupings and the actual players themselves. Because it seems like there was a lot of diversity in the red zone, right? He tried he, he tried a lot of different things. It wasn't just one, one type of uh, one strategy. There were, I think he's deploying a lot of different strategies to kind of see what works pretty much. And hey, it, it did work. It looked better. But this was the slot buster, though, Bobby. If you couldn't score in the red zone versus this defense, even though they played better than I thought U of H did, then, hell, man, your, your red zone issues might be a tragic flaw. 
I, I, I've got to be honest. Seeing the third down number right there, three of 12 on the day. Yeah, it ain't good. Given that, I'm surprised Texas won this game. Three mm. of 12, Rod. Yeah, three of five, five on down, third down, though. On, on against a team that was 122 on in the country on third down leading into this. Yep. End up being three or five on fourth down. That saves you a little bit, right? That that helps you out a little bit. Uh, the, the percentage if you look at money downs, but no, there's no doubt that's a that's a horrible stat for Texas. That has not been a big issue this year. It was last year, but that crept up. And I would put money on it. I'm gonna look, Bobby, and go check. I'm gonna go look at every first down tonight. I'll have it for you tomorrow. Every first down and, and find out when did they throw the how often they used the three high three down on the third downs and how many were third and longs. Right? How many of those were third and longs and third, third and mediums? Were you in third and manageable, where you could be? It could be four down territory because you can go for it on fourth and short, or you know, was it third and long and they could throw sim pressures, blitz, and the three high three down look at you, where Quinn would have to go through progressions on his drop back, whether having predetermined, you know, quick reads. Because I bet. Maybe they, the, thir- the yards to gain. Do we know that sat on the yards to gain on third down, the average? Because that's something to consider, too. Yeah, I don't know the average yet. I think that'll be in the advanced stats that, that yeah. we don't have quite yet. Um, I, I just, you know, Texas came out on fire, scored 21 points in the first, you know, what, 15, 20 minutes of the game. Yes, uh, and then cooled down and only scored 10 the remainder of the game. Uh, yes, Quinn Ewers got hurt, but. It wasn't like they were moving the ball up and down the field with Quinn Ewers. I, I think to Rod's point uh, earlier, the three high safety look got Texas, uh, caught Texas probably by surprise a little bit, and they're still not doing the things to defeat it uh, right now. Uh, third and longs. Texas was Ooh. one of five. Look at that, Rod. Wow. Holy cow. There you go. One That's of it. five. Are, there you go. Yeah. One, of, one of five on third and short. Yeah, that's crazy. That's short yardage and goal line was something that that um, Brian Irwin brought up to me on lunch with the coach. He said it's not so much red zone for me; it's short yardage and goal line Hmm. where I see problems right now. Uh, That that is I I thought third and there would have been more third and longs, but man, third and shorts they just couldn't get it done. That's uh, that's disappointing considering the size advantage you had. Uh, on U of H and how bad U of H has been on third down. I, I did not expect to see that one of five on third and shorts. Yeah. Something and it goes fun. to the interior O-line blocking. You've talked about Bobby. Yeah, it I does. It. They, they weren't getting movement. They're yep. getting no movement out of Jake. And, and Jake was doing his best guys. So let's be clear. It's so not, who's got, not who's got a good, who's got a good interior D line that we've been playing <laughs> coming up. That's what we got to look at. That's the key. If you can play the three high three down and you got a really stout interior D line, that might be a problem. That could be But a it's problem. not like U of H has a stout D line. That's they true. created one by taking one guy off the field essentially and playing a three down look. And yeah. then running running uh, linebackers up in there. All right, um got a couple wow. more questions uh, for you guys uh from Fresh 6473 with the talent and experience we have was this the year and last chance to have an undefeated season? Because I don't see going undefeated in the SEC. Well, I don't know if it's the last year. Mm-hmm. If you were expecting an undefeated season this year or next year, I don't think Texas is ready for that unless something wild happens in the portal. 
right now. Yeah, man. They don't have that kind of talent overall. Yeah. Uh, you look at – we've talked about safety, and they don't have the numbers at defensive line right now. They they don't have the pass rusher, uh, the elite guy. Maybe Ethan Burke comes on. Maybe uh, uh, Jamon Tapp. Baron Sorrell, I thought, played admirably today against who is a guy who is possibly a first-round pick, yep. by the way, who I thought should have been called for a holding uh, more than once today. Uh, but – but Texas doesn't have that that kind of dominating defense, that suffocating defense right now. You yeah, agree with that? Yeah, no doubt. Even I mean, come on, guys, it's really tough to go undefeated. It's yeah. it's tough to go undefeated. Conference play tough to go undefeated over. It's just really, really hard to do. Um, and I don't think Texas had a shot at that. Period. I I think they were not going to go unscathed through the entire schedule. Now, like I said, because think about it, guys. Do they have the talent level and the capability? to beat anybody in the country on any given Saturday? Probably so. If they're totally healthy, if Sark has a a, a perfect elite game plan called like he did versus Alabama, right? Um, If, you know, they they had extra time to prepare, that would help too. Like there's a lot of ifs, but football is a week-to-week sport. It's pretty much – that's how it goes. Um, And it's really hard to avoid the injuries and to have great game plans that – you know, are effective week after week and have great adjustments within the game week after week. And not just because that doesn't make you a bad coach. It just means you're not perfect, right? They're, they're going to be flaws within your game. You, you don't have 11 guys that are all all conference players on your defense. So as my man Shannon always says, oh, man, they're not all all pros. I'll find I'll find the guy on the defense that they're trying to hide. They're trying to hide some guys. Every defense is. Now, the guys George is hiding – Hey, they're they're a little bit better than the guys Texas is hiding, but everybody's hiding somebody on defense and really good coordinators. They gonna figure out who you hide. And Texas right now they gotta hide a lot more guys on defense than we thought. That's on PK. All right, now he's got to figure out uh, based on the situation, you know, situation, the circumstance, what guys I can expose in what situation and who can hold up in one on ones and who can't. And then he's got to build a game plan appropriately. I, I trust that PK is going to figure that out. Um, but if they, if they don't adjust, listen, Sark needs to adjust his complimentary football model then. Then maybe we do need to pound the rock more and control the clock <laughs> and, and protect the defense. That's on him as a head coach. You know, these are all things that a head coach has to consider. So I just think for Texas to go undefeated might have been unrealistic because as Bobby said, they ain't got that kind of talent yet. And maybe they will in the SEC down the line. But I don't think that's the conversation that we're having right now. We're talking about just winning the Big 12. Can they do that, baby? Can we win the Big 12? They just got to keep winning. Next week, BYU uh, comes to DKR. Uh, uh, Here's the question. Is Sark going to run more? Do they need to make OL changes? If so, you know, Rod, I I don't see Sark totally going away from the pass. No. That's not who he is. And I don't think they'll need to with either uh, Malik or Arch, whoever starts – if uh, Quinn Ewers can't go, uh, but there will be a, an idea that maybe they need to lean on it more frequently than they have, uh, even yeah. earlier in games and uh, develop something. I, I go back to what happened uh, in the uh, uh, in the game last year against Iowa State, then in Baylor and even Kansas State. They really started leaning on the run game, and it changes things. You know. Uh, but you have to be able to do that and have to be able to throw a little bit at the very least, right? I totally agree. I think you just nailed it by that. Yeah, Sark, he, 
it's part of his DNA. He wants to throw the football. He can talk about throwing it to open up the run. Maybe they run earlier, like you said. Maybe now, truly, the identity is, hey, man, we run to open up the pass, to open up our play action, our RPO game. We might break tendency and start off with a play action deep pass early on in the game and soften things up. Uh, but still, for Sark, maybe now your identity is clear. Remember we talk about the identity of the offense? What do they do as well, if not better than everybody else? Now I think your identity actually it gains some clarity. Jonathan Brooks is and, and if CJ Baxter continues on this path, that might be the identity. And then the passing game complements that. And that's why I like going forward more of the 6 0 line package. I like more of a 21 personnel, more power football looks, and you present power personnel packages, and then you can pivot to play action pass principles because teams will respond to try to stop Jonathan Brooks. And you put six on linemen in front of them, or you present a 12 more 12 personnel or more 21 personnel. And when they do that, they're going to do it with 40 personnel, which is they're going to do it with four linebackers or three linebackers on the field, three or four uh, uh, front uh, defensive linemen on the field. And that's going to give you favorable matchups on the outside with X man, AD Mitchell, and JT Sanders because they'll respond. They got to stop the run. They can't let you just bully them down the field. So I think that's what you're going to see more from Sark, more power personnel groupings. Got it. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers, this is the post-game show brought to you by Flight, uh, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. We appreciate them as well as Faust Distributing. Uh, Rod, a couple more questions before we uh, sign off today. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, myself, J- Justin Wells, will have rapid reactions. We'll be grading the horns tomorrow. Then we come back with a uh, live stream tomorrow night. As well, you can, you guys can check on all the post-game content we have on InsideTexas.com right now. Please go over there. Give us a chance. Uh, visit the message boards. Talk with other fans as well on InsideTexas.com. Uh, I want to get this question in from Justin Rosenthal. Rod, I may have missed it, but what schema- schematically or execution issues happened after the first quarter with our secondary? It did look like there were communication issues and – Dominic, uh, uh, Donovan Smith started finding a little rhythm. Yeah, you've talked about it, Bobby. He's streaky. Uh, that's number one. You said it before the game, like he's streaky. And he started feeling, he started real slow. He started ugly. Uh, bad throw, throwing behind the receivers, throwing a high. At Not just, stepping into it. Yeah, he just didn't look like he was comfortable um, early on. And he started to find his groove. So part of it was Donovan Smith uh, getting streaky. But also they started to utilize – some concepts that Texas has struggled with in the secondary. Uh, like I talk about this targets to clustered wide receivers, very closely clustered wide, re- wide receivers or tight ends or receivers or running backs, doesn't matter. But any targets to stack twins, tight twins, bunch formations, um, where you have closely clustered groups of uh, receivers or targets, Texas has a hard time being able to read and react and um, be able to cover the different route combinations for some reason because I don't know exactly how they're taught to play at levels or play tango, which is inside cut, outside cut. One guy takes the one or the other. I don't know how they're being taught to cover it, but in this game, uh, 11 yards per attempt when they were targeting bunch formations. And on that, that drive, in the when they're down 21 points in the second quarter with seven and a half minutes left, they, they figured it out. That's when they really started to go to it a ton. Go back and look right at that, that drive. After that, they figured it out. And also Texas had a lot of injuries in the secondary. You could argue U of H went to it too late. 
They should have yep. they should have started out with the passing game considering the injury. So maybe somebody told them, <laughs> you know, on the side, like, hey guys, you know they got Jade Barron's not out there, Ryan Watts ain't out there. Uh, I mean, they got a lot of backups, rotational players. They got a lot of injuries in the secondary. Jalen Catalan's out. We should we should attack those backup players, and they did attack those guys. So I think that was part of it too. And they went empty formation a lot. Started noticing how they started spreading Texas out, going empty formation. This is important because the linebackers stay in conflict in empty formation because not only do they got to cover, but if they don't have to cover anybody and they're considered either the free rusher or the, the, the spy, then they have to worry about the Donovan Smith as the runner, as the plus one in the running game, even out of empty formation. It's just a pain in the you-know-what to defend, and especially with a dual-threat quarterback. So they just started deploying a lot of really effective concepts that Texas struggled with attack the secondary that was in injury, you know, riddled with injuries. Um, and Donovan Smith got hot. They found some nice uh, ways for receivers to get free releases. I really think communication is part of the, the answer there. Yeah. Part of the problem simultaneously. Right. Uh, I also want to thank you auto lab for your super chat as well. Uh, guys, I don't, I think we got to as many questions as we could tonight uh, in the post game, the Longhorns win uh, beating U of H in Houston, 31 to 24, the last meeting uh, in Houston for quite some time, in, in my opinion, for the Longhorns uh, on a goal line stop, essentially, of the Texas defense after giving up 21 quick points. The Longhorns de- Longhorn defense uh, kind of stiffened, caused two turnovers, including a fumble, sack fumble, a INT, uh, and then Malik Murphy came in, uh, led the team on a scoring drive, uh, really led strongly by the running game of both Jonathan Brooks, and true freshman uh, Cedric Baxter. All right, that'll do it for today. Jerry uh, Hamilton had to drop off earlier. I didn't get to say goodbye to him. Thank you for staying with us, Jerry. Rod Babers, appreciate you as well. A lifetime Longhorn. Uh, For Rod, Jerry, I'm Bobby. Our producer, Matt Hutchison, we appreciate him. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Remember, uh, Longhorns win 31-24. Always better Saturday when the Longhorns win. Hook them. Hook them.